You're listening to Filmmakers Drinking Bourbon. Yo, yo, what is up, World Wide Web? This is Alex. And this is Frank. And this is David. And we are all filmmakers. And we're also drinking bourbon. Cheers. Cheers indeed. Cheers. Can't cheers you. I'll cheers Frank. I, I, I'm looking at a, a digital representation of David. I will raise my glass and <laughs> click the computer screen. Perfect. Nice. Got it. I think I felt that on this side. <laughs> David, who are you? I'm a man in my early 30s, <laughs> and uh, I'm a filmmaker who loves bourbon. Which and you're right at home on this show. Yeah, well, I I know I'm a little a little surprised it's taken us this long to connect. I I am as well. Jeez, I'll, Frank, I'll uh, I'll bring Jeez. that up later too. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the reason we have you on is not only because you're a genius filmmaker that loves bourbon, but you did something very specific to bourbon and filmmaking. Can you yeah can I explain? I'm, yeah. Well, I I made a documentary about bourbon. I I love bourbon and film so much. I thought. Let's bring those two loves together and make a feature-length film about this drink that we all love so much. Mm. And everyone is happy that you did. Oh, man. Well, I'm, I'm happy that I did because I learned a lot about bourbon. I, I wasn't even that big of a bourbon guy before I started. It just seemed so cool. And I thought, you know, maybe I could learn a little something. And so I did. And I'm happy that I learned about bourbon because my life's a lot happier now. I feel the same way. <laughs> how uh, how did this journey begin? Like, you, you weren't a bourbon guy. What got you started on the path you thought, yeah, I should do a movie about bourbon? Yeah, so um, I was in the beautiful state of Kentucky. I'm from Pennsylvania. And I was in Kentucky for another project, another film I was working on. And I got uh, met up with... Um, a composer who I've worked with for years named AJ Hohalter, who is one of these crazy talented guys who's just good at a lot of things. Um, so we were kind of just sitting, drinking bourbon, um, and I'd had a little bit of bourbon, but he, he ordered me an Eagle Rare, and I really liked it, and we were kind of just talking, laughing, and one of us said, we should do a documentary about bourbon. And we were like, yeah, that'd be awesome. And then it, you know, it was kind of like half-joking, half-serious, I mean, you guys know how it is when you sit around. You oh, have yeah. a, bazil a bazillion ideas, 99% of which never become anything. Um, but it it clicked for both of us. So we we kind of kept talking about it for the next couple months. Um, and then like three or four months later, we were uh, filming a little sizzle reel in Kentucky. And that just kind of got some traction, got people pumped about it. And then we made the movie. Dang. And it, it's, I mean, it, we I, I watched it the other day and it's fantastic. Thanks, uh, it's, it's out now, right? I mean, people can it go is, it is. buy it, it is watch on, it. Yeah, iTunes, Amazon, Google Play. Um, it's all over world worldwide um, on VOD right now. And nice. DVD, I think, in March. But you might want to cut that out because I don't know when this is going to air. <laughs> this is going to air but in yes, March. Yes, it, so. it's yeah. out. Yes, it's all, it's all over. Awesome. What um, size-wise, like how did you guys determine how big this was going to be that it wasn't just going to be you and an iPhone, you know, or a GoPro, right. how, you know, what determined that? Well, we wanted to make a film that looked as good as bourbon tastes like bourbon is so beautiful and there's so much, 
uh, visual richness to it. I mean, I mean, the color. Like, I'm, I'm drinking some wood for double oak right now, and I'm just, it's so dark. Ooh. The color is so beautiful, and Which it's that's just a like. Beautiful bourbon. It is, man. It is. And it's like, so we wanted to make something really beautiful. Um, and we wanted to make a feature. We knew we didn't, we didn't want to do like, a, we knew we didn't want to do a, uh, short about it. So that, so we knew we had that kind of going in. It was going to look really good and it was going to, uh, it was going to look really good and it was going to be a feature length film. And that was kind of all we, all we knew when we started out. And I do agree that when you said, uh, we want to make a film that looks as good as it, uh, as, as good as bourbon looks. It it definitely looks like that. Oh, it's it, pretty. It's it's so nice. Yeah. Looking. Who um who was your DP? Uh, Michael Hartnett. So Michael is my business partner and every project DP. Um, and he's incredible, man. He is one yeah. of the most talented guys uh, on planet Earth. Um, so this is our third feature we've done together, and I, I felt like we kind of hit our stride as a director and DP on this. Um. Just it, it it was really fun to kind of think through how do we make this look really beautiful. Um, so well, it was a lot of fun, and it got there for sure. I mean, it's a gorgeous film. What uh, for the tech nerds, the the guys that mm-hmm. watch this or listen to this podcast and that are really techie and into the gear, can you go into into depth a little bit about that? Yeah. So we shot it primarily on the Sony F fifty five. We shot a little bit. There was uh, we shot a little bit on. Um, the red weapon. Um, actually, it might have been it might have been the the dragon when we used that. I don't know if the, I don't think the weapon had come out. Yeah, um, yeah. The the dragon. Um, we shot uh, some FS seven stuff uh, on a Ronin, um, and we shot a little bit with an Osmo, um, and a little bit with a uh, an A seven S. All over the place, which is yeah. So there was a lot of there was a lot of cameras, uh, different kind of cameras used in the film. And what determined that? It was uh, what you had available at the time, because this was over such a long period of time to film, or uh, a different camera for a different purpose. Yeah. So um, I mean, the the kind of workhorse of the film was the Sony F fifty five. We have one in house um, at our production company, Vinegar Hill. So that's that was kind of our go to. It was just we had it. Mm-hmm. It was available. We could use it. Um, the red happened. Um, we brought another, another, um, DP camera op on for a shoot where we knew we needed a ton of coverage and he had, uh, he had the red and he, uh, was, gave us an insane deal on it. In fact, I don't even know if he charged us for it. He may have just charged us for his time. Um, and the same, the same, um, with the, uh, the FS7, um, the, the A7S, um, was just for its form factor and that it's, um, really small and we wanted something that we could just throw on a Ronin and, and run. So the A7S was, uh, what you always used for the Ronin? Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it's just, it's so small and we had such a small crew. Um, it's, it's not my favorite camera at all. And yeah. I love the way it looks, but yeah. Uh, it, we we our crew was just so small. We had to have something that could just quickly be thrown onto a Ronin. We couldn't. We didn't have time to swap. You know, put our F fifty five on a Ronin, which is a nightmare anyway. So yeah. it was just we wanted something just on hand that we could grab if we needed, if we wanted something. Uh, you know, on the on the Ronin. Sure. Um. So yeah, it definitely not my favorite camera. Our colorist was like ripping his hair out at points because <laughs> of it. 
Um, oh, I know. But yeah. you know, it, it got. It, you know what, man? It got the job done though, and that's that was a big thing I learned. Is sometimes you know what you got to work with cameras you don't love if it if it helps you tell the story. Totally, story is king. Absolutely, exactly. Yeah, but exactly. no, I mean, it, watching the whole film, it all comes together very cohesively. It all looks great, like it all belongs together. That's cool and appropriate. That's cool. You know. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm very I'm very excited about this. Like I watched it and like I if you know me, like I don't watch a lot of things. So yeah, that's yeah. rare. And then for me to be excited about something is uh, also rare. And that's then, awesome. So that's great. Hit both of those. Um man. What that's uh, a win. How did, so when you, bourbon's a big topic, right? There's mm-hmm. a lot of bourbons, there's a lot of different styles and hints and flavors and what went into your thought process in development for this? What story did you want to tell? Just the history yeah. of it, the differences. I mean, it's very broad. How did you distill, yeah. it, distill it down to pull upon? Yeah, so it was really an, a, a sort of evolutionary process figuring out like how in the world we were going to make this film and how it wasn't going to be like a bazillion hours long. And it was kind of terrifying because it took us a long time to figure that out. Like when we went in... And we began production, we knew kind of like we knew we'd probably have some process stuff, we'd probably have some history stuff. But, you know, we didn't know how much history, how much process, you know, was it gonna be kind of Ken Burnsy? Like we we didn't really know. And it it we filmed for like a year and a half before we really kind of finally figured out like, all right, here's here's how we're gonna do it. We're gonna have these kind of vignettes where we meet the people of Bourbon now, just interesting characters, we're gonna have these history vignettes. Um, and we're gonna have these process vignettes, um, and it took just a bunch of like you guys know how it is, just a lot of meetings with the um, and kind of summits with the uh, the the team to kind of say like, all right, here's what we've shot. We know we don't have enough for a film. What do we need to do to finish this film? And we had like three or four of those meetings till we finally kind of kind of stumbled upon or found like how we were gonna finish it, and that was like the the biggest relief of my life. Yeah, I would. I'd, I'd come home. I'd come home from shoots. The first year and a half, I'd come home from these shoots, and you know, I knew. Um, I I'd tell my wife like, "We're getting great stuff. I just don't know if we have a film here. I, I, like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Hearts of Darkness. Oh where, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Francis Ford Coppola is having his like meltdown, and he's like, "This is it. This is the end of my career. I'm I'm over. <laughs> I'm finished." And and you know, I didn't have actors like having heart attacks or like the the Filipino army like having to run off and fight rebels between shooting but i kind of felt a little bit like i i may never finish this film filmmaking is a war dude i mean it's it is you go into battle every shoot that you start you know and your your team is your unit and everybody has to work together or Mm -hmm. else the battle fails and you got to pick who you're taking in the battle and we were wondering how you got uh steve i'm gonna butcher his last name steve zahn no that's it Mm -hmm. you you, there was no butchery happening there yeah steve zahn (laughs) Dude, that was, and that's just one of those those cool things how, like, you know, it's, sometimes as filmmakers, you kind of, you, you just kind of go on faith a little bit, like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know, especially documentary, you don't have a, a map laid out, at least none of the documentaries I've done. You don't have, like, this super clear roadmap, so you, 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 you know, you kind of have this sense, like, okay, there's something here, so let's take some steps forward. You know, you you shoot like a sizzle reel and people respond to that and you, you know, maybe some funding comes in. You kind of just take one step forward. But as as you go forward, these weird connections just happen. And Steve Zahn happened. He's from Kentucky. And uh, a friend of our 
producers, AJ Hoalter, a friend of his, uh, was really is really good buddies with Steve Zahn. And mm. at some point, his friend said, "Man, like I'll just tell I'll just tell Steve like what's going on with this project." Um, and we had a rough cut by this point. And he's like, I, "You know, I'll send him over the rough cut." Um, so we didn't really know what to expect, and we we're like, "Ah, it's kind of cool." I mean, yeah. he's not a huge that thing you do fan, <laughs> um, but. I but then he saw it and he uh, a couple weeks later he called AJ our producer and he's like dude I love your film and I'd love to love to help in whatever way I can um, and I think you know it was just it was he was just incredibly generous with his time and to that he he would even be excited about this little indie doc uh, was really awesome yeah I mean that kind of him his involvement uh, not not to take anything away creatively like story wise production wise from the initial thing but his involvement it kind of bumps it up a notch yeah right yeah like, i mean absolutely man how do you uh how did you or how do you uh both be i uh, kind of respectful of his involvement but then also capitalize mm-hmm. you know what does that well, do I for mean, you guys yeah i mean i think you know the, the from a story perspective you know like i think bourbon this this film easily could have been like super sort of snobby and sort of um, artsy fartsy and sort of uh, nose in the air sort of thing, and we and we really we didn't want it to be that. Mm. Um, we didn't want we we like we wanted to to celebrate the craft and to celebrate how beautiful it is and let the film be beautiful. And there are there are some really serious pointed moments, but we also wanted to be able to have fun with it. And so he brought this and brings this amazing sense of levity to the film. I mean, he is one of the funniest people <laughs> I know. I mean, he's he's yeah. absolutely hilarious. So he he just. He got what we were trying to do with the film, and he got the story we were trying to tell. Um, you know, and, and what was so cool was, like, um, he was kind of game for anything, but he also, he was like, you know, like, we had all kinds of crazy ideas, and he was very honest about, like, man, like, I think that would take away from the film. Like, I think that might kind of, like, mm. take away from the story. And so he he really was, like, wanting to serve the story and in, in, in what was best for the story. Um so yeah, I mean, just having him having him in the film, I think, brings so much humor and so much yeah. fun. Um, and I think, um, and he's just, I mean, he's in a, he's such a talented guy. I mean, he's such to to be able to work with someone that talented. Yeah, um, it was just such so cool. I think for all of us, and and got us. I mean, you know, you asked what it did for the film. I think it got us all of us. It just gave us a lot of confidence in the film and a lot of confidence to like take this out there and and kind of you know when someone who has as much experience as he does kind of says, Hey, like, I like your film. That like is, is a real boon was a real boon to all of us to say like, man, maybe we have something kind of special here. Oh, and you absolutely do. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you listened to him too. Cause like anything sillier than what you did or anything like snootier than what you did <laughs> probably wouldn't. Have yeah. Worked. You hit the like, perfect yeah. center mark, you know, like you're right there on comedy, but enough history, but enough. It's so entertaining. That's so cool. mad props, dude. Mad That's props. That's cool. Thanks, man. That means a lot. Yeah, I don't want to give anything away for anybody that hasn't seen it, but stay stay through the end. And there's uh, yeah. there's some funny parts. And you, and you should <laughs> see it. Uh, we haven't even said the name of the film. It's called Neat. Yeah. Yes. And and you can go. You can actually you can rent it for less than the cost of a glass of bourbon. Uh, you can buy it for less than the cost of a bottle of bourbon. So there's no reason why you shouldn't add well, it to the collection. You, 
It might be a little bit more expensive than like an Evan Williams. Sure. Well, no, I guess Evan Williams. That's like fourteen ninety nine for a bottle. Yeah, we had that know, a ma- couple old cr- old ago. old crow is cheaper. <laughs> old crow is definitely cheaper than our film to buy it. I think. Well, old I don't nine, know what the DVD is yet, but like, yeah, an online price nine bucks. You can't really oh, get yes. a bottle for that. It's good. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, the, and like you said at the beginning, uh, there was a lot of things that you learned about bourbon. I I learned a ton. I didn't know that much history about it like the excess grain and turning it into something storable can you what are what are some of the moments that you can pull out like oh dude i had no idea yeah i mean so like the some of the big i think for me the biggest thing you know the biggest thing is that i learned and took away from it is i used to like i I used to be kind of ashamed that i really like my bourbon on the rocks like Mm. i I love bourbon on the rocks, but it always kind of was felt like the decaf coffee of bourbon, <laughs> you know, like, uh, and, and, and what I learned making this film is there's no right or wrong way to drink your bourbon. The point of bourbon is not to get the most expensive bottle you can get your hands on. The point is not to like, Oh, you can only drink it this way. The point is to just enjoy bourbon with the people you love. And that was like really surprising mm. for me. It's to have these Titans of, of of the industry, I mean, some of the like you know, to Jimmy, Jimmy Russell, yeah, of of Wild Turkey to like see him order, uh, you know, uh, Wild Turkey one hundred and one on the rocks. I was like, oh my gosh, I can do that. He if he does it, I think I can do it. Like I, <laughs> I guess allowed. I'm allowed to do that. Yeah. So it was that, and that, and again, that sort of goes to the whole point, like of this film shouldn't be snooty because like bourbon shouldn't be snooty bourbon is about like getting together with your favorite people mm. and having it if you if you want your bourbon uh mixed with coke get your bourbon mixed with coke if you want sure. it on the rocks have it on the rocks if you like it neat have it neat um and that that was i think the most surprising thing can i um, can i pull a line me? from yeah. from the movie am i allowed Absolutely. to do that i was yeah, about to course. do it so yeah, yeah. go for it there, there's a line in the movie where he says the right way to drink bourbon is the way you like it okay mm-hmm. right is that, it's somewhere that's, along that it, it might not be that's, word for word. No, but. that that's exactly that's exactly the line. And that as soon as he said that, I was like, boom, exactly, hundred yeah. yep. percent. This is not wine. This is not you know. This is oh, you have to have it at forty five Celsius. But you know, whatever. It's like yo, you like it that way? Then enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. It's meant to be enjoyed. So absolutely, I don't know. That, that just hit I, home with me, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> this 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 doc got it right. The, the other <laughs> night, I mean, the other night, I like. I I don't normally get to drink Stag Junior because it's hard to find and it's expensive. But I had some the other night and like I I was like, ah, do I want it neat? But I really wanted it on. I really wanted it on the rocks and like I felt a little pang of like guilt because it's like oh man, it's a fancy bourbon. But then I was like, you know what? Screw it. This is like have it on the rocks and it was amazing on on the rocks. It was like and I it was mind blowing on the rocks. And that's the interesting thing I think about bourbon is that the each different way you can have the same bourbon. That's right. Four different ways, and it'll bring out different notes and characteristics yep. depending on oh, a flick of water or an ice cube or neat or you know whatever. Or if, or if you or if you chill, you know, if you chill your bourbon yeah. in the freezer, but don't but don't put it on ice. It's going to be totally different than if you put it on ice. Than if you you know like it just totally. It so many flavors like will come out the in different ways that you drink it. I mean, you'll taste if you mix your bourbon with Coke, you will taste different things in the bourbon, which is crazy. Sure, and like I think is is rare for most spirits. Totally. Are, yeah. So in your making um, of this, you, you know, I know you said you weren't a bourbon guy going into it. Are there a few now? I know you mentioned, mentioned a few uh, bourbons, but are there a few like staples in the David shelf that you keep around? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I love Makers Forty Six as one of my as one of my all time favorites. I think it's just such for the price and for it's like how easy it is to get. I love I love Makers Forty Six. I love Bullet. I think Bullet is just an amazing everyday kind of bourbon that is incredibly affordable and again is everywhere. Um, I like uh, for the special stuff like Woodford Double Oak. I think is absolutely incredible, and it's been great to see that that's way more like readily available now yeah. than, it, than it was when we started making when we started making it double oak was only available in kentucky like and it was like and now it's everywhere which is awesome um i think my all-time favorite is stag jr um i i wish i was wildly wealthy and somehow <laughs> had like a direct line to buffalo trace so i could just have stag jr every day but i guess it wouldn't be special if i could have it every day um, but yeah, I love, I mean, Stag Jr. is, is pretty mind blowing. Mm. Um, Bullet 10 year. I've been, I've been enjoying that lately. I find, you know, the weird thing I find though, and I'm sure you guys experience this is like, I go through like phases where I'm like all about the 1792 yeah. for a while. And then like, and then like, I'll do that for a couple months and then like, I kind of won't like it for a while. I'll be like, I don't know, this is not, she's not doing it for me. So then I'll like switch to to whatever Elijah Craig and I'll be like all about Elijah Craig and all I want is Elijah Craig and then I'm kind of like oh, I'm kind of this is, you know and then you switch and then you go back to 1792 and sure. you know it's like that's the kind of the fun thing about bourbon but it speaks to the variety like every mm-hmm. one is so different but subtly you know it's mm-hmm. all bourbon it's all got the staple characteristics but then you've got those notes and those hints yep. that you as your palate develops I'm still so new. Frank's still so new. I'm newer. Yeah, you're yeah. even newer. We're still, everyone's still so new to yeah, bourbon I mean, around I, here. I'm new. I mean, I'm new to yeah. bourbon. So every new bourbon that I try, I know personally, I'm like, oh, I find something really unique. But then you, you know, your palate gets a little overwhelmed as you do that over yeah. and over and over again. So you need a, a kind of cleanser. Yep. You know? Yeah. And, and it's, it's, uh, it is just like the, the, the there's certain things, certain like, uh, spirits, not so much bourbon, but other spirits that when I first started like dabbling in the world of whiskey, I was like, oh my gosh, there's <laughs> nothing better. Like Jameson, it doesn't get any better. But then like, you know, then you go back as you mature a little bit and you're like, ah, it doesn't, hasn't really held up. Yeah. And then, and then there are other ones, you know, like Makers 46 was one of my first, first loves. And I still am happy to have Makers 46 whenever I can. What are you drinking right now? Uh, Woodford Double Oak. Double it's, yeah. it's yeah. We so we're we're our studio is moving offices, and we had like this t- a tiny little pour of the Double Oak left. And I was, um, I'm not allowed to crack into anything else till I finish the <laughs> Double Oak. <laughs> but I did. I did just pick up a bottle of. I'm really excited to try this. I just picked up a bottle of Jefferson's. Oh, what's the name? It's aged in old, very old rum casks after the, after it's aged in the in, you know in the in the new charred oak barrel. That's not the ocean. Is it? Uh, no, not the oceans. The oceans okay. is you know. It's, I just had that oh this Christmas. I bought it for yeah. me and my dad. Yeah. Oh man, it's it's such a the oceans is so special, man. It's like yeah. And it's 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 really. I mean, I get, maybe it's getting easier to find, but it's it's hard to find. We I'm in a really small town in Lebanon, Ohio here, and we they had four bottles of uh, Voyage Ten that really? no, like nobody buys it up here, you know, and it's. Seven bucks cheaper than down in a in Cincinnati and yeah, so I'm like oh, oh that's awesome shit, man. yeah I'll, I'll take one. What, what did your dad think of it? Loved it. He's he's like me. So I introduced when I started this we started this podcast. Uh, uh, me and my partner Brandon, God rest his voice. <laughs> um, we were so new. I knew nothing yeah. about bourbon. Uh, 
Why did you it. Why did you start a documentary or a podcast about bourbon if you didn't know anything about it? Uh, interesting. I guess the same could I guess the same yeah. could be asked about why I made a film about bourbon. When yeah, I didn't yeah. Know anything no, I mean it. enjoyment. Like I've always yeah. liked bourbon. I just knew virtually nothing. I, I'll yeah. I'll step in. I I kind of uh, I kind of came in around episode seventy ish. Yeah. Um, but I would say speaking on on Alex's behalf, I'll speak on Brandon's behalf. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, it in this kind of comes from your documentary at like bourbons for people who work sun up to sundown and that yeah. defines filmmaking yeah right <laughs> that's true that is very true we're like the new pioneers it's yeah it's a real a real man's drink i don't know i i've always enjoyed it again i knew nothing about it and i think starting the podcast forced me to then go out and learn more about it mm-hmm. I'm, I'm by no means an expert by no means a you know do i have a great palate i enjoy it yeah, enthusiastically, but it's still, again, going back to what I said, every bourbon is so unique, and every new bourbon I try, there's something new to learn. Yeah. So, I don't well, know. That's the fun. Th- that's what's fun about bourbon. I mean, it just you yeah. it it there's it doesn't you know it's not just a one note sort of thing that you kind of get and you get it right away and you no. know it's like there's a, a whole world to explore. Sure, and I'm sure it's like that with any spirit. Like, if I started a filmmaker's drinking vodka <laughs> podcast, I'm sure those mm-hmm. are different in their own way. Yeah, but yeah. to me, there's a little more variety in the flavors and notes and and I don't personality know, of. I don't know bourbon. what it is about bourbon, but like it seems to be like making a comeback, and especially mm-hmm. like for some reason in the filmmaking, yeah, community. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I think there's something that. I think uh, let me take, I, th- I think there's something about the purity of of bourbon the in spirit. that. Yeah, yeah. You can't. There's no additives allowed. It's grains, water, and wood, and that's it. And all the flavor comes from your mash bill and the barrels, and that's it. And the aging and the time it sits in the warehouse, and like that. That I think is to me what I I love about it so much is it's like I know when I'm drinking this, I know there's no caramel color in it i know there's no added no added sugar or added flavor or you know whatever i know it is absolutely just the water and the corn and the rye and the wheat and then time bear the barrel and time exactly and like that that gets gets me pretty pumped about about bourbon right i think that's one of the most special thing about any high-end spirit like if you're classified as bourbon like you jump through the hoops and you went through the processes to be classified as mm-hmm. that but and time I, is the biggest factor and i do want to talk about this for a second um, sure are uh, statistically about half of the listeners we have now haven't yeah. listened to what about is bourbon? half of our podcast which we've oh. mentioned two or three times like what what constitutes a bourbon yeah, so, sure. David, do you uh, wanna... David, yeah, can you tell us what makes a bourbon a bourbon? Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm, I'm going to do my best here. If, if you really want to know, <laughs> uh, Denny Potter of Heaven Hill, um, Denny Potter of Heaven Hill is way better. He's in our film, and he gives the bourbon ABCs. Mm-hmm. But I, I'll do my best. And, and Denny, I know you're not listening, but if by some chance you <laughs> meant to listen to another podcast... Um, I apologize. Yeah, have mercy. So the a, the ABCs of bourbon. Here we go. It's it's a. Um, it is. It must be made in America, right? Yeah. Um, can't be made anywhere else. You can do the exact same process, but if you make it in Canada, sorry guys, it's not bourbon. So hold. Um, I'm going to stop you right there before you move on. Yeah. There are a lot of people, and we've had a couple people on the show that say it must be from 
Bourbon County, Kentucky. Not true. Not exactly. True. Thank it you. It can be made anywhere, anywhere in the United States, but it can't be called Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey unless it's made and aged in Kentucky. So if you really want something that you know is from Kentucky, like this Woodford Double Oak that I'm drinking right now, it says Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. You know that that was made and distilled and aged in Kentucky. Thank you. Um, but yes, it can be made anywhere in the United States. So sorry, other people who are who don't believe that, but I I have it from. Many people from the on good authority, yeah. a.k.a. Jimmy Russell of Wild Turkey, that it can be made anywhere in the United States. Um, it has to be aged in a brand new charred oak barrel. That's B. Yep. Um, you can't use a used barrel. Um, it has to be brand new, which is, is one of the things why it, it's so dark. Like, if you compare, honestly, a good, thing, a good little fun thing to do is if you can find a scotch that hasn't been had any coloring add to it which scotch you can add coloring to it Mm -hmm. scotch even if it's been in a barrel you know even if it's like 21 year old scotch it's so light because they use used barrels and and a lot of times they use used bourbon barrels but Mm -hmm. bourbon has to be aged in a brand new charred oak barrel and that's why bourbon is so dark and rich in its color um c is corn it has to be 51 percent corn so the mash bill um, is predominantly corn. Um, you know, it it is corn, and then oftentimes it'll have rye and wheat um, mm-hmm. as the other two grains and some malted barley, um, but predominantly corn. Why corn? Um, corn is an insanely robust flavor. Um, it's, it's really sweet, and bourbon is a very sweet uh, mm. whiskey, um, and it's, uh, it's, so it's really sweet. Um, yeah. And it, it will last for years and years. So you mm. can put a corn-based distillate bourbon into a barrel, and you're going to taste that corn 12 years later, 23 years later. You're still going to taste that corn. Nice. Um, and that's why corn is, is such a, a wonderful part of bourbon. That's why bourbon, bourbon is a very sweet, sweet whiskey, um, naturally sweet whiskey. And I think that's, you know, that's what I love about it, mm-hmm. is it's, it's sweet, but it's not an artificial sweetener. Um, so I was on D. I was on D. D. Yeah. D is distillation proof. So um, it can't uh, it, it can't be distilled um, any higher um, than. Now this is where I get. This is where I gotta go back and do my math. Sure. It can't be distilled. It can't come off the still any higher than a hundred and twenty proof, sixty percent alcohol. So D is distillation proof, and the reason is the higher. If you get any higher than a hundred and twenty proof or 60 percent um you're going to start to lose your flavor you're going to start to strip out your flavor the higher the higher the proof the less flavor is Um, uh i'm i thought i had bookers that was like 120 you you did 128 yeah you did and that's that is a really interesting phenomenon that happens so it can't come off the still and go in the barrel any higher than 120 proof but the proof as it ages oftentimes rises which is really Mm. bizarre and this really weird thing that and i'm sure scientists out there if there's a chemist out there could explain it to me jimmy russell when i asked him about it basically said like it's a mystery that you know we won't know until god comes back um (laughs) but (laughs) love it i i i'm sure someone can explain it but it's it's a really weird thing um you know because here's the thing um you would think that when it goes into a barrel the alcohol it would lose its proof because alcohol has a lower boiling point 
than water, so you'd think that it would start to evaporate off and you'd be left with more water yeah. and less alcohol. But for whatever reason, in the barrel, oftentimes the proof will climb a little bit. And that's why you can have, um, like you said, Booker's, I think, is 128 proof, that's, right? Yeah, typically, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it and, shifts, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's in that higher proof, but it can't go into the barrel any higher than 120 proof. Wow, 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 yeah. wow. Yeah, so um, E is... E, E is entry proof. Yeah. It can't go. Um, oh man, see now I got it. Now I got to pull up my notes here because yeah. I always get these these three confused. Give me a second here. No, you're fine. I mean, you've hit the see? the lion's share, the the big. Well, the, the, there's there's entry proof, and then there's also fill proof, which it can't go in the bottle any less than 80, 80 proof. Yeah. Um, and G is genuine, meaning you can't add anything to it. Totally. Um, I will, I'll look up or I'll just go watch, watch the movie and yeah. <laughs> watch, watch the movie and you'll Dude, know, it you'll know everything. Yeah. Entry proof, fill proof. But yeah, it's, it's, there is, there's the, um, there's the entry proof, which it goes into the, 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 there's no anyway. higher than 120. Yeah. But the di- distillation, yeah. that D was the. D is distillation. Yeah. So D is distillation. I'm trying to remember if it, it might be able to come off the still a little higher. I can't remember. D- distillation proof. Anyway, I'm, Got I'm it. totally. Yeah, yeah. I'm dis. I'm discrediting myself. But what I'm we're saying. What we're saying. I'm is, a char. I'm. I'm proving myself to be a fake charlatan. <laughs> no. I, I didn't make this. I didn't make this film. You it was created my twin, a twin brother. And we just um, wanted to basically touch on the the. There's a lot of points factors. that make a, a bourbon because, like, mm-hmm. in the in the. Um, Pre, our previous episodes, like there was only like three or four of those factors. All we, we touched covered. on was fifty-one like, percent corn. When I watched this, I actually learned. Yeah. Oh, there's actually a few more yeah. than yeah. those. It's so, strict. Like, definitely, de- definitely recommend watching those to get those exact. And that's, I think, a, a good. Like when you're talking about it, this, could have been really snobby. It could have been really uh, nose in the air kind of a thing because of what it takes to become a bourbon. It's it's. I don't want to use the term elitist, but it's an elite spirit. Like there's a lot of yeah. things they have to go through to become a bourbon. Yeah. So the fact it, that they do all that, but then it's still, there's something about it. The spirit, it's like, this is a, a real, it's just meant to be enjoyed. I don't know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think some of that is the history too. I mean, it, it was a sort of, uh, I mean, it comes from very humble roots. You know, if it, 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 began i mean distilling and whiskey in america were something that just farmers did and uh, with their excess grains you know what i mean it didn't start off as some real mm-hmm. in these really high places among you know uh, european aristocracy it started with just like farmers and and pilgrims and pioneers who they had stills and they had extra grains and they could either try to move their extra grains around on big bushels and, and maybe they might rot or maybe they might, you know, have an animal get into them or they could distill them and, and uh, have something to barter with. And, and that's kind of, I, I think, why it's really strict, but it also, there's a connection to very humble American roots. I definitely do think that's why it's uh, American and why bourbon has to be American is uh, something you co- that and something you covered in the, in the film is... Uh, like in other parts of the world, you had to give your excess supply mm-hmm. back to the crown. Yeah. And you didn't have to in America. Rebelli- yeah. Rebellious spirit. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like in America, you know, you could, the, the cool thing is you could say, you know what? I'm, I'm not happy uh, with my lot in life in Pennsylvania. I'm going to strike out on my own. I'm going to go to Kentucky. I'm going to go to the frontier, Kentucky. And uh, I'm going to, 
I'm going to make something. I'm going to make a go of it. And if I have excess grain because I've taken this risk, because I've, I've left the safety of my family and community behind, then I'm going to own that excess grain. It's going to be mine and I'll, I'll do what I want with it. And I'm not going to have to give it to a crown or, a, yeah. um, you know, in taxes. And I, I don't know. I think that's cool. And I think that's kind of, yeah. I mean, in some ways, you know, in this, you know, I'm sure this could be misquoted to make me sound really pretentious, but I feel like, I mean, it's kind of, I imagine the same spirit that led you guys to be filmmakers and have led you guys to start businesses and, you know, do this, that entrepreneurial spirit. You know, you want to, you, you have something you love and you want to make a go of it. Mm. Totally. Yep. Totally. Can you, um, you know, Jimmy Russell, like what he was saying when God comes back, we'll, we'll know. Uh, there's a thing called the angel share. Yes. Can you yeah. speak a little bit about that? Talking about, you know the proof and evaporation in that. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the, the thing with bourbon is distillers are going to lose about 3% of their product due to evaporation every year in the barrels. It's just, it's, it's in the summers, it, the, 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 the distillate expands into the wood and in the winters it contracts and comes out of the wood mm-hmm. and pulls all those flavors out of the barrel and and while that's happening you're, you're having a lot of evaporation happening so like if if you know a 10-year um let's say my 10-year bottle of bullet i have the distillers lost um in 10 years they'll lose 30 percent of their product just to Oof. evaporation and that's that's called the angel share um which is crazy, which is crazy, right? I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's a lot of products. So think about, I mean, uh, I won't do the math here because I'm really bad at math and that's why I chose to be a filmmaker. But if you think about like, a, you know, the Elijah Craig 23-year or yeah. the, Pappy, the Pappy 23-year, which I've, I've never had, and someday maybe one of your listeners is listening and has a bottle that they're looking to offload, but send it my way if you want to get rid of it. Sure. But, uh, yeah, but that's, that's a, you're, you're going yeah. to lose a lot of bourbon in, in 23 years. But what's left over is of supreme oh, man. quality you're, you're and enjoyment. You're not kidding me, man. Absolutely. One of the, one of the people you had uh, featured uh, throughout the video, I, I, I wish I would have wrote his name down. He, um, uh, Brandon and I went down for our two-year anniversary podcast to Buffalo Trace. And he was oh, the, yeah. Fre- the third Freddie, gen- Freddie Johnson? Yes. yes. Oh, he was awesome. Isn't um, he amazing? And, uh, like he, we recorded a, an episode in the barrel house, uh, in one of the barrel houses and so uh, cool. like he yeah. took us to, uh, like a 25 or 30 year old bottle and like had us like knock on it. And like, it was so hollow. He's like, <laughs> it- he's like, oh, there's only about five gallons left in here. And it's like, that's nuts. Empty. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Freddie, Freddie is awesome, man. I mean, he, he was the heart and soul of the film and you know, as, as you're, if, when your listeners, as they go watch it, they'll see that he really is the soul of the film. And What's cool about Freddie is we we found him completely by chance. And that's, you know, one of the things, you know, we were talking earlier about kind of as filmmakers and making documentaries, you go on faith a little bit. And um, so we, we, our first shoot after we decided, like, we're going to try to make this, we said, well, cool, we'll go down to Kentucky for a week, just myself, my cinematographer and our producer, and we'll shoot a sizzle reel. It'll just be the three of us. We won't, we will only spend money on mm-hmm. hotels and gas um and so as we're driving down to kentucky like this snowpocalypse hits i don't know if you guys remember in 2015 oh yeah (laughs) hammered and kentucky which doesn't get tons of snow usually i mean just was completely hammered in in the eye of the storm 
everything was shut down in Louisville and Lexington, and like almost all of our interviews were were just totally canceled, just because no one could get around. Yeah, and the the distilleries they were shutting down, but. Um, Buffalo Trace, we were scheduled to interview the master distiller, and they they were super apologetic, and they're like, hey, you guys can still come. We're so sorry. Master distiller's not available, but we have this guy named Freddie Johnson. He'd be happy to talk to you. And we're, and we're like, well, I guess you know it's better to film something than nothing. And as we interviewed him, we were like, oh my gosh, this guy is incredible. Mm-hmm. And he gave us an amazing interview, and then we, you know, when we, he had to go and we had to call, you know, cut. As we were wrapping up, he started telling us like more stories, and we were oh. like, Guys, we we got to come back and film him again because he started telling us about his dad. He didn't even really get into his dad in the first interview, but after we were filming, just kind of offhanded as we were as we were wrapping up the mic cables and you know putting the cameras away. So we came back and filmed him again, and then we realized the second after the second time, same sort of thing. We cut, and he was just telling us more, and we realized, even oh my gosh, more. we're gonna have to come back again. So we came back again, and. Um, yeah, it was it was one of those things. the the fun The fun in the adventure of documentary filmmaking because you just there is so much you don't know that you're going to get, and that's kind wow. of the, I guess the the fun part of it. Speaking to that, um, can you talk a little bit about the timeline of this whole mm-hmm. project? So you did a sizzle reel, then I'm sure you went out and uh, got funding, came back, started the whole production. Can you give us kind of a, a brief timeline? What did yeah, you do? So- Pre production, post production, all that. Yeah, so in um so the the uh the the time AJ the producer and I were having bourbon and had the idea that was in November of 2014. Um in February of 2015 we went and we shot our sizzle reel. We shot for a week. Um and we edited that together and we were we got some private investment and then we got some um sponsorship money from and and uh sponsorship um, from the state of Kentucky as well as um, Lexington and, and Louisville. And, and, and really, they were just awesome. They were like, hey, we'll, we'll help you get some either free hotel rooms or discounted hotel rooms. We'll connect you with food. Like, you know, that those sort of sponsorship, um, that sh- sort of sponsorship. Um, so we, we kind of launched, we did a big shoot in June of 2015 um, and got some really great stuff and cut another trailer um, and then we kind of went into hibernation. We did a few little shoots, um, but and then in 2016 we really came uh, began filming like in earnest in 2016. Um, and production took us uh, 2016 through 2017. Um, and in fall, in October, like October of 2017, was when I started editing. And uh, by February we had our rough cut of 2018 wow wait no dang it no i'm totally backwards that's fine Tw- by february of 2017 we had a rough cut sorry production was 2016 yeah. february of 2017 we had a rough cut um and then we went and we shot a little bit more we raised a little bit more capital shot a little bit more shot all the steve zahn stuff um and then yeah we released in february of 2018 so wow did you uh how did how did the sale if you're comfortable talking about this mm-hmm. how did the the final once you had your final deal final cut final product shopped it around who bought it you know yeah. how did that whole thing go yeah it was really cool man because we you know we didn't we knew we or we thought we had something special um and we did some screenings you know some just small friends and family screenings early on just to kind of get us you know and people really responded to the film um 
but you can never be, you, you know how it is when you show your friends and family, you can never be totally sure because yeah. you have friends and their family and they're awesome and they love you and they want you to be, they, they, they believe in you. So like those are great showings, but also you, you take it, their, their love with a little bit of, um, skepticism. Um, so we, we, we thought we might be able to find a, a really good home for this and we, we took it out. Um, and you know, the typical route is you, you get a sales agent and you, then they go and they shop it around. But our producer, AJ, um, is just, he's, he's really, really kind of a baller. And he went directly to the distribution companies. Um, and, um, the orchard was, we, we just loved the orchard. I mean, they, they distributed cartel land and life animated and they have, they have such a, I mean, such an amazing reputation, and, and the films they've dis- distributed are, I mean, they're just, they're the kind of films we aspire to. Um, so we went with them, we had some friends, we, we had some friends who had uh, sold a film to them as well, and um, yeah, they were awesome, man. They, they've been an amazing partner, um, mm. partner with in this film. That's incredible. So The Orchard buys it, you find they're the right person to do it, and now mm. it ends up on... Amazon, iTunes, yep. Google Play, boom, and that's yeah, and that's that's kind of you know that's so this is our second film that we've had um, distributed. This is our our first film with the Orchard, but that's you know the yeah. the I think it's funny. I was talking to a friend last night. I used to kind of think like, oh man, you know, you the only way to make it as an independent filmmaker is you make a film and you hope to heaven that you get can get into Sundance and then <laughs> you get a distribution deal and then it's theater, DVD, you know, the old, the old sure. world, but it really seems like there's a, a, a way, a path for filmmakers like us who are eager, can tell really good stories, don't have a ton of money. Um, and that the path is it's, you go to a distributor, people are really looking for content. I mean, distributors want good films to mm. distribute. Um, and it's not hard to get in touch with them if you have a film that you think is good. And then they they take it to iTunes, Amazon, all of the VOD place, cable on demand. There's so many places that they can get your film, um, you know. And it's it's you know, Neat will not have a theatrical run, and I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? It's it's actually going to have a much uh, much longer life doing it this way, where you go to these go to these VOD platforms. Yeah, there's just- I, without being um, too. Um- I don't, the word's slipping me. I've had too much bourbon, but, um, (laughs) the, um, like without sounding too, um, stereotypical, maybe that's it. Um, like I could totally see this on Netflix, like just coming across this on Netflix when I'm scrolling around. Sure. Yeah. It'd absolutely be something I'd click on and play. It's a hell of a time to be a filmmaker. There, there's a screen in everyone's pocket. There's a screen on every street corner. And like you said, people are itching for good content. So if yeah. you have something unique and interesting and a story to tell, you're going to be able to find a home for it. I think that's yeah. a, a good uh, motivational, like, I don't know, just a thing that, that people need. Everybody thinks it's, it's so hard, but there's a home. Uh, there is. And you know, the thing is, it's like I find with myself and with most independent filmmakers or, or people who want to make films, um, so much of it is, so much of it is, like what holds us back or what stops us from making films is us and our fears and our, our doubts. And, and I put myself in that category. Um, and it's hard. I mean, making it, making a feature like documentary is a, is a ton of work and it's, you know, it's not, I think it's a lot easier to gun 
gun for you know the Vimeo staff pick or whatever. Those are those are easy things, and that's not a slam on the Vimeo staff pick because everybody likes a Vimeo staff pick. Mm-hmm. But it's a much longer road to say like I'm going to make a feature and I'm going to I'm going to carry this thing through and I'm going to figure out how to do it. And I'm going to figure out how to find funding for this. Um, it's a longer road, but it's so rewarding to realize like there are like you said there are people want good films and like people are eager to like there are people and companies that would love to distribute your really good film and it's kind of on you and on us and on me to like make our good film and to figure out how to make it and we have the technology i mean we have i mean all of us have access um to to an fs7 or um or a, you know, a red or a scarlet or whatever, we all have access to these incredible cameras. Yeah. Um, so we, it's kind of on us to, to get off our butts and stop whining and make a film. And again, that's, I'm saying that to myself as well. I, you know, mm-hmm. got to get up and you got to just start making stuff. I love that you made a, you chose that out of all the, all the things you could have made a documentary about, you chose, you chose bourbon and, yeah. uh, Instead of just doing the cliche, uh, like, oh, we're going to make a, a documentary about the food supply or right, right. global warming or whatever. Like, this yeah. is interesting. Like, I, I can watch a hundred other documentaries about that's like, right. the popular topics. Well, and I think, you know, something I, I, I learned making this film, um, and, you know, the, I probably should have learned it a long time ago, but I'm slow to learn things, is, um, you know, I used to kind of, like, think and feel like well i gotta make really serious films and i have you know it's got to be good films are dark and like mm. um and i'm i realized through making this you know what i'm i'm kind of a happy guy and i'm <laughs> i like to laugh and i like to make people feel good and like it's okay if it's not scorsese or kubrick like that's all right the world has a really great martin scorsese and his name is Martin Scorsese. But, like, <laughs> how do I bring my own kind of unique voice to this? And sure. if it's happy and funny or, like, you know, like, whatever gets you, as a filmmaker, whatever gets you pumped and excited. And um, if it's really heavy, dark stuff, go make really heavy, dark films. But also, if it's really light, just goofy stuff, like, have fun with that. Like, make a film that, that you're going to have fun making. Totally. Life is short. It's about enjoyment, mm-hmm. and you have created something. You, AJ, your entire crew have created something that is very, very enjoyable, as much as informative. So That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Really, really thank you for telling us about that, sharing this with the world. Um, for people that don't know, where can they go find the film? Where can they go download it, rent it, all that? Yeah, so go to iTunes. You can watch it on iTunes. Go to Amazon. You can watch it on Amazon. Um, Google Play, you can watch it there. Um, and you can go to our website, thebourbonfilm.com, and all of the all of the watch information is there as well. Nice. What about you, uh, you personally? Anything you want to throw uh, yes. up? Vinegar Hill? Yeah, you can go to yeah, you can go to my website, vinegarhillcreative.com. That's uh where myself and a, a crazy rowdy gang of <laughs> Muppets and Misfits hang out and make <laughs> movies together in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, so yeah, shoot us an email and come, come to our studio and we'll have some bourbon together. I will probably take you up on that because <laughs> like I said, I have family over there, so I'm, yeah. I'm not there. even, I'm not even kidding. Please yeah. do. I, I would, I, I would love to, love to share a glass with you guys. I, I wish I could have made it into the studio yeah. with you guys today, but 
but yeah, please come visit us in Pittsburgh. We'll, we, we might, I think we're working on the best bourbon collection in Pittsburgh. You know, Ooh. there's a, there's a, there's a place called Butcher in the Rye that has a better one, but we're working on maybe the second best bourbon collection. Dude. Well, congrats on the film. Congrats on the success. I hope it does have a long life. Uh, thank you. I think, I think this film will age well. Well, thank you. And thanks for having me on the show, you guys. <laughs> All right. Cheers. 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 Dude, what a great guest. Yeah, he was awesome. They, it's I'd... super informative. I mean, you guys need to check out the film. Yeah, definitely. Really I know you've you've heard about what bourbon is, a little bit about bourbon via this podcast, but this thing goes way more in-depth. It's way more entertaining than we could ever be. It's got Steve's on. Yeah, and it's it's really, like, even if you're not into bourbon, like, it's really still entertaining. Yeah. Well, I, I love learning about things I have no idea about. I know a little bit about bourbon, but there were so many things I didn't know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, and, and there learn. was something I, I I I mentioned at him uh, previous uh, earlier yeah. in the conversation that I said I was going to touch on, and I actually didn't end up touching on uh, because he kind of kind of explained it. But I know you don't know that he explained it. But um, I was like, okay, film, yeah, about bourbon, filmmakers drinking bourbon, not involved at all. Why? Yeah, and like when he said like he filmed mostly in 2015, 2016, the podcast at that time was kind of small and just starting out so sure like, i can see why he didn't find us at that point but yeah. like if he was filming that now like like okay we should definitely be involved yeah the two titans point. of the filmmaking bourbon industry yeah. <laughs> anyway no i'm glad we were finally able to connect um oh my god yeah just just go watch the movie you'll yeah. love it um and it, like i know for for people who do enjoy the bourbon i'm just gonna throw out another quote from the film because sure. i love it so much uh like bourbon is the pause for life um, yeah, that was a, a quote from uh, a rough quote from one of the people on the f- film that was named Paul Steele, which is uh, there you go. my cousin or really might not be my cousin. Ah, Probably s- not my cousin. Some form of maybe relation. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, you want to close speaking, it out with some reviews? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah. Speaking of uh, the the corn going to the crown, uh, I thought it was appropriate to throw in some reviews from England. Yeah. Uh, next re- next episode, I'll touch on why we're doing some international reviews, but. Yeah. For now, just these are reviews from England. Um, Go ahead. This one I don't, I didn't copy. Okay. Worth checking, Worth checking out by Damien Swaby. 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 Great podcast with a range of guests on the show. I now drink Buffalo Trace Kentucky Straight Bourbon while listening to it, which is actually what we're li- drinking now. Yeah. Uh, these guys talk about the technical aspects of filmmaking and the fun parts. Download, people. Perfect. Definitely download. You should. Next is by Russ Hobson. Good listen. Nice podcast. Like listening to this while I'm at work. And that's what we do. We try to create a podcast you can listen to anywhere. In your car, at work, at the studio, in between takes. Yep. Go ahead and listen. And we'll eventually get it down to that 30 or 45 minutes. Meh. Uh, next one. Uh, last one. Good fun by Ben Scott, 1975. A good fun informal chat about two of the most important subjects on the planet, filmmaking and bourbon. We couldn't agree more. And that's why we cover those two topics. Because yep. they're the only things that matter. Apart from family, filmmaking and bourbon. Filmmaking and bourbon. Yep. <laughs> awesome, dude. Well, cool. good uh, good podcast. Thank you again to David Altraj yep. for uh, joining us. Go watch the bourbon documentary called Neat. It is pretty much everywhere. So yes. Google it. Go watch it. And... Uh... I forgot to ask him about what he had, on the credits he had a uh, a puppet wrangler, and I don't remember seeing a puppet in the film, so I wanted to ask him about that. But 
Hmm. We'll Mystery figure it out later. To be Mystery solved. to be solved later. Yep. All right, buddy. Cheers. All right, cheers. This podcast is produced by Frank Steele and recorded live at Gwyn Sound Studio. Find out more at gwynsound.com.